Blog Talk Radio. Nebraska. Chromium oh, yeah, it's chromium six. six. That that was the thing that, that it was. It's uh, 
the system uh, tested positive for chromium-6. All 54 samples tested positive for chromium-6. That's what's in our blood, uh, in our blood, in our... Uh, Let's go. Let's go to our system. Yeah, I can't. It can't seem to get that far. Sorry. Hmm. Nothing to move it. Well, there it is. Oh, there, there, we go. there we go. Okay. Go to Let's see. Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut. Uh, Hartford, Hartford County. Yeah. In all 11 water systems tested positive for chromium six. 107 eight out of 208 uh, 202 samples tested positive for chromium. Holy crap! Wow. Okay, turn
The standoff is the latest round in a big tug of war between scientists and the advocates who want regulations based strictly on the chemical health that has an industry, political, and economic interests who want more relaxed rules based on the cost and feasibility of cleanup. Well, hey, I want my health. Yeah. If the industry challenge prevails, it will also extend the Environmental Protection Agency's record since the 1996 landmark amendment to the Safe Drinking Water Act of failing to use its authority to set a national tap water safety standard for any previously unrelated chemical. In 2008, a two-year study by the National Toxology Program found that drinking water with chromium-6 or, or hexavalent chromium caused cancer in laboratory rats and mice. Based on this and other animal studies, in 2010, scientists at the respected and influential California Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment concluded that the ingestion of tiny amounts of chromium-6 can cause cancer in people, a conclusion confirm, affirmed by state scientists in New Jersey and North Carolina. The California scientists that so-called public health goal of 0.02 parts per billion in tap water, the level that would pose negligible risk, risk over a lifetime of consumption. So that's all statistics. Yeah, one part per billion in a, about a drop of water is about a drop of water in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. But in 2014, after aggressive lobbying by industry and water utilities, state regulators adopted a legal limit 500 times the public health goal. It is, only enforceable, it is the only enforceable drinking water standard at either the state or federal level. That's freaking unbelievable. So a lot of people have unsaid, are uh, consuming water that's For over two-thirds of Americans, yeah. Besides, you know, if you drink it, that's a problem. But what about what goes in through your skin? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't even say that. If you take a shower, you wash your hair, or you fill your swimming pool, or... Uh, oh, it's, it's really a sick damn thing. I'll tell you right now. What's that list? Uh, it says, uh, let's see, average level of chromium... In the largest U.S. water system. City of Phoenix, 7.8 parts per billion. Population served 1.5 million. Missouri American Water Company, St. Louis County, 1.258 parts per billion. So, City of Phoenix is in trouble. This is way up. Yeah, way, 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 way up. You know, um, they said only 0 0.2 parts per billion was allowed was okay. allowable. For, yeah, and these these are all higher than that. You know, especially Phoenix. Holy cow! And uh, Los Angeles, 0.481% per million. Um, Suffolk County, Philadelphia, Dallas, uh, these are all ranking going down. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, South Coast Water, Capistrano, California, these are the highest. Chicago Bureau of Supply, Washington County, uh, Suburban Sanitary Commission. That's in print. That's those are the Montgomery and Prince George counties in Maryland. They're outside yeah. of Washington D.C. Fairfax County, Virginia. That's outside of water Washington D.C. Um, Cleveland Water, point one oh two, which is still 
ten times higher than it should be. Yeah. Denver Water Board, point zero three seven. That's closer to what? What's the what's closer to point oh two? But still not added. Still not added. That's Denver. So, battles on New Jersey and North Carolina. New Jersey and North Carolina state scientists' calculations of safe levels of chromium-6 in tap water were quashed by politically appointed regulators and sons of bitches, huh? See, that's uh, New Jersey, of course, is... uh, uh, What's his name? Chris Christie. Yeah. Source of contamination and health hazards. Studies have found that exposure to chromium-6 may present greater risk to infants and children, mm-hmm. people who take antacids, huh, and people with poor functional livers. Mm-hmm. Jeez, and yeah, The conflict over chromium-6 regulation stems not only from the question of how much is safe, but the staggering cost of cleaning up such a widespread contamination that in it an industrial pollutant but also occurs naturally. And the California Department of Public Health estimates that treating the state water to meet the legal limit of 10 parts per billion will cost nearly $20 million a year. So the cost of meeting in the much more stringent public health goal would be far higher. Well, maybe we ought to stop bombing uh, Iran and Syria. And take a little money and clean this mess up here instead of polluting everybody else. You know, instead of killing a killing right. us and killing other people. Maybe yeah, I mean, it's like stuff. exposure to chromium-6 can cause lung cancer, liver damage, reproductive problems, and developmental harm. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the unsettled science, including a crucial question of how much chromium-6 the stomach co- co- converts into mostly harmless chromium-3, the EPA has only set a drinking water level for total chromium, the combined level for both compounds. The um, outdated regulation from 2001, based on skin rash concerns, is a thousand parts per billion. Is a hundred parts per billion, rather. The 5,000 times California public health goals for chromium six and ten times the state legal limit. It's just God, my, I don't want to discredit the stomach cancer. Oh, yeah, these, it's a very long article. Yeah, but you know, just 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 know that your, your chances are. Your your water is polluted with this stuff. Seems to be. It's not this stuff, it's polluted with something else. Yeah. Jeez. That's scary. Yeah. Well, here's something that, I mean, this is not union issues here, but this is really important. Warning Russia issues new rules of engagement in Syria. Any aircraft threatening the Syrian army will be shot down. U.S., Turkey, and Israel in the crosshairs. That's after they bombed the they bombed the Syrian people. You know, they, they bombed the Syrian uh, mm-hmm. things uh, the other day. The U.S. did. Okay. And, and they, they said, "Whoops!" But nobody's well, whoops. taken that. Yeah. Well, no. No. Uh, Putin just said, "This bullshit." You know, you can't be bombing. Uh, where so, he was, so much yeah. for the broken truth. Yeah, we it was broke it. We broke it. Bombing uh, Assad. You know, One day later. Yeah. I mean, so much for our work. That's ridiculous, you know. After the United States and coalition aircraft attacked (coughs) Syrian army positions by mistake, which killed 62 and injured over 100 Syrian soldiers, Russia said that the next mistake will be the pilot's last, as new rules of engagement are now in effect. Two days ago, on September 17th, U.S.-led coalition jets bombed Syrian government forces uh, positions 
near the eastern city of uh, Der Ezor, killing 62 troops and paving the way for Islamic State militants. The Syrian army general command told the state television. The bombing took place on uh, Atharga Mountain in the region of Der Ezor and uh, caused casualties and destruction on the ground. Syria's official SANA, S-A-N-A, news agency reported on Saturday. It says 62 Syrian soldiers were killed and over 100 injured in the airstrike uh, by the uh, U.S.-led coalition. Russia Defense Minister Spokesman Major General uh, Konashensko... I would just call him Igor. Igor, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Major General Igor said... uh, Citing information received from the Syrian uh, General Command. Konashenkov, actually. Konashenkov? Okay, that's cool. And the Russian uh, Defense Ministry said that the aircraft which carried out the bombings had entered Syrian airspace from the territory of Iraq. And four strikes against Syrian positions was performed by two F-16 fighters and two A-10 support aircraft that commanded. It added, if the airstrike was caused by the wrong coordinates of targets, then it's a direct consequence of the stubbornness, unwillingness of the Americans tried to coordinate with Russia in its actions against terrorist groups in Syria, Konashenkov stressed. And the Defense Ministry also confirmed a report of, of SANA as an Islamic State offensive began right after Syrian army positions uh, were hit on from the air. Yeah, so they waited. They, 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 this was a U.S. military hit. You can't trust this. We can't so, trust so, us. We so, can't even yeah. trust our own our own government. You know, so, so why go to a meeting and go through all the bullshit about yeah. what you're going to do? Or you just wait to, to kill some sitting ducks? Is yeah, that what you're going to yeah, do? That, that doesn't show very much honor. No, there's no honor in this. And there's no integrity. Immediately after the airstrike by coalition planes, Islamic State militants launched their offensive. Mm. Fierce fighting with the terrorists is currently underway in the area of the airport, where a long-time humanitarian aid for civilians was parachuted. Um, The timing of the ISIS attack, coming with seven minutes of the U.S. airstrikes against the Syrian army, has led some to conclude the U.S. was providing air cover for ISIS terrorists. Absolutely. The Syrian general command called the bombing a serious and blatant aggression against Syrian forces and said it was conclusive evidence that the U.S. and its allies support IS militants. According to a news release of the U.S. Department of Defense, the coalition's aviation performed uh, combat missions um, in Azor on Saturday. See that? We are aware that the reports and checking with CENTCOM, okay, the joint uh, combined joint task force the Pentagon told Russian television. And U.S. Central Command later has issued a statement saying that it had no intention of targeting Syrian government forces. All right. Syria is, and it says, Syria is a complex situation with various military forces and militias in close proximity, but the coalition would not intentionally strike a known Syrian target military unit. Yeah, right on. Oh, man. CENTCOM promised that the strike and circumstances surrounding it will be reviewed to see if any lessons can be learned. So it's either incompetence uh, uh, or dishonor. 
For two years, the U.S. mass media has been all but silent about U.S. activities inside Syria. The mass media has not explained to the American public that the existence of U.S. forces inside Syria is not authorized by the Syrian government or by the United Nations. Similarly, the mass media has not informed the American public that the U.S. has repeatedly refused to cooperate with Syrian and Russian military efforts to attack ISIS terrorists. Even though the Obama administration claimed the U.S. purpose for being in Syria was exactly that. The mass media again refused to report that the U.S. attacked the Syrian military two days ago and has failed to report that the new situation with the Russian rules of engagement in Syria. What this means is simple. The next time the U.S. attacks the Syrian army, the attacking aircraft are going to be shot down. When that happens, the U.S. will scream, we've been attacked by Russia, and use that to start a war. When war breaks out, the American people will be totally unaware of how and why this happened and will be blindsided by the hideous reality that we, are in the U that we in the U.S. started it and we in the U.S. are the ones who are in the wrong. That's kind of a scary thought. Well, you know, you got an asshole like Obama, you know. That's what he uh, wants. And he's an neocon. And Hillary Clinton. And Hillary. Well, Hillary's out of the bucket now, but... She, she was part of it. She was part and of it. And she wants to continue it. That's why she's that's, running for president. That's right. And they, she's got to continue it according to the neocons. These are, why do you think Bush wants to vote for her? You know? And this she, is according to my daily informer. Right. That's the news site. Yeah. I can't speak for its credibility. You decide for yourself. But anyway. Uh, no, I'm sure the rules of engagement is correct. It's from Russian TV. Who else? You know, I'm sure that. No, I wouldn't doubt that at all. This one's interesting. The, the Forgotten Witch List. Yes, you we should read, read it about the Irish. I thought that was an interesting thing because they... The uh, Irish. Uh, the Forgotten White Slaves. This is from Setting the Record Straight with Ronald Dwyer. They came in as slaves. The human cargo transported on British ships bound for the Americas. They were shipped by the hundreds of thousands that included men, women, and even the youngest of children. Whenever they rebelled or even disobeyed in order, they were punished in the harshest ways. Slave owners would hang their human property by their hands and set, and set their hands or feet on fire as one form of punishment. Some were burned alive and had their heads placed on pikes in the marketplace as a warning to, as to other captives. We don't really need to go through all of the gory details, do we? We know all too well the atrocities of the African slave trade, but we are talking. But are we talking about African slavery? King James VI and Charles I also led a continued effort to enslave the Irish. Britain's Oliver Cromwell furthered this practice of dehumanizing one's next-door neighbor. The Irish slave trade began when James VI sold 30,000 Irish prisoners as slaves to the New World. His proclamation of 1625 required Irish political prisoners to be sent overseas and sold to English settlers in the West Indies. By the mid-1600s, the Irish were, main, were the main slaves sold to, sold to Antigua and Montserrat. At that time, 70% of the total population of Montserrat were Irish slaves. Ireland quickly became the biggest source of human livestock for English merchants. The majority of the early slaves to the New World were actually white. 
from 1641 to 1652, over 500,000 Irish were killed by the English and another 300,000 were sold as slaves. Ireland's population fell from about 1,500,000 to 600,000 in one single decade. Families were ripped apart as the British did not allow Irish jazz to take their wives and children with them across the Atlantic. This led to a hopeless, helpless population of homeless women and children. Britain's solution was to auction them off as well. During the 1650s, over 100,000 Irish children between the ages of 10 and 14 were taken from their parents and sold as slaves in the West Indies, Virginia, and New England. In this decade, 52,000 Irish, mostly women and children, were sold to the Barbados in Virginia. Another 30,000 Irish men and women were also transported and sold to the highest bidder. In 1656, Cromwell ordered uh, 2,000 Irish children to be taken to Jamaica and sold as slaves to English settlers. Many people today will avoid calling the Irish slaves what they truly were, slaves. They'll come, upon, they'll come up with terms like indentured servants to describe what occurred to the Irish. However, in most cases from the 17th and 18th century, Irish slaves were nothing more than human cattle. As an example, the African slave trade was just beginning during the same period. It is well recorded that African slaves, not tainted with the stain of the hated Catholic theology and more expensive to purchase, were often treated far better than their Irish counterparts. African slaves were very expensive during the late 1600s, 50, 50 pounds sterling. Irish slaves came cheap, no more than five pounds sterling. If a planter whipped, branded, or beaten Irish slaves to death, it was never a crime. A death was a monetary set, setback, but, for, but far cheaper than killing a more expensive African. The English masters quickly began breeding the Irish women for both their own personal pleasure and for greater profit. Children of slaves were themselves slaves, which increased the size of the master's free workforce. Even if an Irish woman somehow obtained her freedom, her kids would remain slaves of her master. Thus the Irish mothers, even with this newfound emancipation, would seldom abandon their children and would remain in servitude. In time, the English thought of a better way to use these women to increase their market share. The settlers began to breed Irish women and girls, as many as young as 12, with African men to produce slaves with distinct complexions. These new mulatto slaves brought a higher price than the Irish livestock and likewise enabled the settlers to save money rather than purchase new African slaves. This practice of interbreeding Irish females with African men went on for several decades and was so widespread in that in 1681 legislation was passed forbidding the practice of mating Irish slave women to African slave men for the purpose of producing slaves for sale. In short, it was stopped only because it interfered with the profits of a large slave transport company. England continued to ship tens of thousands of Irish slaves for more than a century. Records state that after the 1798 Irish Rebellion, thousands of Irish slaves were sold to both American and Aust America and Australia. 
There were horrible abuses of both African and Irish captives. One British ship even dumped 1,302 slaves into the Atlantic Ocean so that the food would have plenty of food to eat, so the crew would have plenty of food to eat. There was little question the Irish experienced the horrors of slavery as much, if not more, in the 17th century as the Africans did. There is also little question that those brown, tan faces you witnessed in your travels to the West Indies are very likely a combination of African and Irish ancestry. In 1839, Britain finally decided on its own to end its participation in Satan's highway to hell and stop transporting slaves. While the decision did not stop pirates from doing what they desired, the new law slowly concluded this chapter of Irish misery. But if anyone, black or white, believes that slavery was only an African experience, then they've got it completely wrong. Irish slavery is a subject worth remembering, not erasing from our memories. But why is it so seldom discussed? Do the memories of hundreds of thousands of Irish victims not merit more than a mention from an unknown writer? Or is it their story to be the one that the English masters intended to completely disappear as if it never happened? None of the Irish victims ever made it back to their homeland to describe their ordeal. They, these are the lost slaves, the ones that time and biased history books conveniently forgot. Interestingly, historical note, the last person killed at the Salem witch child trial was Ann Glover. She and her husband had been shipped to Barbados as slaves in the 1650s. Her husband was killed there for refusing to renounce Catholicism. In the 1680s, she was working as a housekeeper in Salem. After some of the children she was caring for got sick, she was accused of being a witch. After the trial, they demanded she say the Lord's Prayer. She did so, but in Gaelic, because she didn't know English, she was then hung. To learn more, you can go to the following source. Let's see what the source is. Public Education Committee. Political Education. Polit uh, American Ireland Education Foundation. So, part yeah, why don't you check also, to, just check this website out because it's, it's pretty interesting. Setting the record yeah. straight with Setting. Ronald Dwyer. Yeah. So, there have been, there's still slaves today. Oh, yeah. yeah, and oh, yeah. We don't, it doesn't get a lot of attention, but it'll come up. Yeah. You know, the slaves in places like Bangladesh. I had, I had to laugh about this. One of T-shirts and... Amy, um, what's her face? Um, Amy um, Goodman. Mm -hmm. She got uh, she got arrested. Uh, uh, and was, <laughs> I, I just put in there, Amy does a cameo appearance in the new season of Orange is the New Black, All right, which is, uh, uh, if you don't know what your rights are, you lose them. Read the First Amendment of the Constitution. But colleagues mostly failed to rally for Amy Goodman, threatened with jail for journalism. Hmm. And she got fined. Uh, she was uh, on that uh, reservation there. On the oh, at the Dakotas? Yeah. When Democracy Now! host Amy Goodman uh, asked security guards at the Dakota Access Pipeline Construction Project why they were using pepper spray and dogs to attack Native American protesters, the guards soon backed off, taking their mace and attack dogs with them. It was a dramatic lesson on how journalism can defend the rights of citizens. But the state of North Dakota had a response to this kind of journalism. It issued a warrant for Goodman's arrest, charging her with criminal trespassing. This is an extraordinary action. 
Jack McDonald, a lawyer of the North Dakota Newspaper Association, and for the Bismarck Tribune, told the, told the Tribune that in 40 years of doing media in the state, he'd never heard of a reporter being charged with trespassing. So how did reporters respond to one of their own being threatened with arrest for doing their job? Mostly they ignored it. The story was covered locally in the Bismarck Tribune and internationally in the British Guardian and a mention in the Toronto Star. The Committee uh, to Protect Journalists uh, and the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe's representative on uh, freedom of the media put out statements calling for the state to drop the charges. Well, the bottom line is that most of those people that they think that they call journalists are just talking heads reading some yeah. sheet of paper they have no idea. But most national corporate media outlets, the ones who complain about not getting a seat in the candidate's plane, breathe not a word on North Dakota's assault and the press's ability to cover a major story at the moment. The Internet-based salon and Mashable deserve credit as uh, exceptions. Uh, elite media coverage of a uh, million issues makes clear that they don't mind taking sides. It's a real shame they don't take the side of the right to do journalism when and where it matters. So anyway, she got, uh, I guess she got arrested. And, uh, and nobody reported on it? They nobody, didn't even nobody, care. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I assume that if you watched uh, uh, Democracy now. You might see you probably would have heard about it, but uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, I, I picked it up because somebody sent it to me on uh, Facebook. Actually. Oh, go down to that Hillary book. It's probably a joke. Uh, which one? Hillary. Oh, this is this is great. It, shit, this this thing got killed. Mark Weiss sent this over. I, I have to read you some of the uh, some of the. Uh, Ang this is from Angry American Patriots. And uh, since Hillary Clinton's new toilet book branded most excellent toilet paper ever, a sales tank. Uh, this talks, this goes, uh, you can go to her reviews, they're hysterical. Uh, she sold, she missed the one with her and, uh, and what's his face, uh, Stronger Together, Tim, uh, Tim Kane. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, you know, they're on the cover and it's about their alliance. And it sold about 3,000, yeah. She, the, she's leading in the polls, but U.S. Media, uh, presidential candidate is floundering in the book charts and sales of her new book, Tomb Tank, uh, and uh, critics put the boot in. Stronger Together, which the Democrat nominees wrote with their, their running mate, Tim Kaine, sold fewer than 3,000 copies <laughs> in its first week on sale, according to Nielsen book scan. This compares very poorly with Clinton's 214 memoir, Hard Choices, which sold more than 85,000 copies this first week. Even that book was considered a disappointment following Clinton's 2003 memoir, Living History, which focused on her years in the White House and shifted around 500,000 copies in its first seven days on sale. Wow. That's because people didn't know what a creep she was. Yeah, amazing. Huh? The new book covers uh, described the 250-page tomb as a blueprint for America's future. A description that says, Stronger Together, uh, an agenda in full relating stories of the American people and outlining the Clinton-Kane campaign plans for everything from apprenticeships to Zika virus. But, well, yeah, it's, 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 it's kill you. Pop-ups. Okay. But, uh, I don't know, my, my, 
was it was linked into that, but uh, yeah, here it is. Here it is. Uh, Yeah. So what are you looking for? Uh, Mark, Mark uh, Weiss, who's a friend of mine on uh, Facebook friend, he sent over this too. Yeah, but he says you got to read, read, read the uh, reviews. Customer reviews. He says <laughs> read the reviews. And he says almost all of them were uh, were ones, were were one star or less. He says this one here, I love this one. I bought this thinking it would be a book. This is an Amazon uh, review of one. I thought I bought this thinking it would be a how-to book. Uh, I wanted uh, how to set up your own foundation to fund and profit. <laughs> also, would like to have seen a chapter on ten easy steps to setting up your own secure server as a, a, in a bathroom. I do hear there's going to be a sequel. Tends over called the Art of the Shakedown. Should be interesting. This is a bad review. They're all bad reviews. Well, everything. Uh, you see how many? Yeah. Like. One star reviewed seventy-seven percent of them. She did get a she did get a couple of five stars. She got nothing in between. Either five stars or all seventy-seven percent of all the reviews were one star. I thought that was funny. Uh, sadly, had to one had to one star. It took lack of content. Yeah, no content, no content. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Well, it's the she. She's a zero. Zero, terrible. Uh, there was one that was really funny. I, I, I read. And, uh, Deleting emails is an easy as one, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I don't. Can't imagine. I had the Clinton Why anybody would buy it? I had the Clinton approve the purchase of the book prior to the release date for just uh, three hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars. Yeah, that's what it cost. That's what she had. That's what she had to pay for a. Uh, uh, for, a, for a seat at the table at uh, Clooney's house. Yeah. And uh, others. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, oh, this one was frightening. Hillary speaks directly to white people after the latest police shooting. So what does she say to us? Yeah, this, this is ridiculous. Ready for this? Hillary Clinton spoke out Tuesday about the death of Terrence Fletcher in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Arguing that the epic of police officers epidemic, yeah, of police officers killing unarmed black people should be recognized as intolerable. On Tuesday episode of the Steve Harvey Morning Show, the former Secretary of State and current Democrat presidential nominee said she wanted to speak directly to white people and let them know that this is not who we are. Well, I don't identify with her. Yeah. How many I'm times, not part of her week. Me neither. And how many times do we have to see this in our country, Clinton said, in Tulsa, an unarmed man with his arms in the air? This is just unbearable, and it needs to be intolerable. Maybe I can, by speaking directly to white people, say, look, this is not who we are, she continued. We have got to do everything possible to improve policing, to go right as implicit uh, bias. At the implicit bias. Tulsa police released a video on Monday of last week's shooting. Crutcher 40, a father and student, was staying at church every week and was shot and killed by a white officer after his vehicle stalled in the middle of a roadway. I'd like to know why why she, she had directed his hand, to it. Why is she directing that to white people? I don't know. Video shows yeah. that Crutcher had his hands in the air 
contradicting the Tulsa police's earlier claim that Crutcher had refused to keep his hands up. He did not have a weapon on him at the time. The U.S. Department of Justice is investigating the shooting. I will just make this promise to you we will achieve justice in this case, Tulsa Police Chief Chuck Gordon said Monday. I want to assure our community and I want to assure all of you and the people across the nation who are going to be looking at this, we will achieve justice, period. Okay. Unbelievable. Well, I think that that was a problem, but, you know, the problem isn't just white people. It's no, people. The no, problem not. is with I want to know all why, people. Why did she address that to just white people? I don't know. Why? I mean, I, I, if she's on a black guy's show, like, uh, you know, but why, why would white people matter? I this think one, it should be directed to everyone because yeah. lots of times it's been um, black or Hispanic officers. It's yeah. It's part of our culture. I don't know. People get uh, quick to the draw because it's been you know, there's been so much violence. This um, this one came up this week and uh, well, no, this week uh, this month I believe it began. But uh, this is uh, a Corey McGaffney, a Menafee rather. He's a former employee of Yale University. He resigned after breaking a dining hall window. Yeah, I know that. Featuring a racist. He was rehired. No, well, what they, what it, no, he wasn't. Yeah, I guess he was. Well, whatever. He was, it was offered a job. He was offered it back because what they did is they, uh, this thing here, they put up a, uh, okay, so he's no longer accepting donations, but they had a GoFundMe page mm-hmm. for him and uh, explained what had happened and where he, uh, he was so upset by the, uh, the uh, depiction of, 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 you know, this stained glass window. That he had, he was a he was a janitor or something there, with the stained glass windows mm-hmm. in this, and it were of slaves uh, harvesting uh, well, harvesting because, cotton. Because that was for Calhoun College, which and at the which, time, you know, when that was built, that they were was slaves. that was the accepted history of the time. What about Irish slaves? No, I know, you know? no, I, but but uh, he was a black guy that was picking. He saw them picking cotton, and he and he threw and he broke the broke. They forgave him apparently. Yeah, well, anyway, he was out of a job for a while, and somebody put up a. He got uh, rehired. Yeah, I just thought that was pretty cool. That so, happened quite uh, a couple yeah, months. Yeah, a couple ago. months ago, yeah. And while he was out, he, there's you know, people uh, raised some money for him. And they got he got twenty five grand, which was great, you know. Um. But I don't think it. I don't think you should erase history. That is part of the history. This is something I wanted to, to read tonight because I, I was really surprised when I read it. Uh, what Trump did I should say what Trump did for blacks and Jews. Right. But they wrote it, what Trump did to blacks and Jews thirty years ago just surfaced, and this could change the whole election. And it says I think a lot of people will be surprised. Yeah, I wrote that, but that's his. Now the site can't be reached. They must have. Oh, this was a. Damn it. That's odd. That they must have caused it to come down. Go to reload. Let me tell you what the story was. Okay. You can go to this worldpolitics.com. No, they can't get to the site. Um, 
But, but what I was going to say is, um, 30 this, years yeah, ago. this particular article, so I read it today and I was very surprised. Um, when, uh, when Trump built his hotel. When, yeah. When Trump built his hotel, uh, not his hotel, but his uh, country club, Malargo, Malargo mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in Florida 30 years ago, he, there was, a, there was a, a, a law on the books in that, uh, in that specific town that uh, would not allow Jews or it was this terribly racist thing uh, they, that did not allow Jews or blacks to, uh, to uh, be members of country clubs. Mm-hmm. In, in, uh, in uh, I don't know if it was Palm Springs or where where it was exactly. No, Palm Springs is in California. Or some place, some other Palm. You said in Florida. Yeah, Florida, Florida, wherever Mar Largo was, whatever the city was, the town was that he built it in. It. And what so what Trump did is he because he he wanted to have Jews and blacks. He wanted to make it no discrimination. Yeah, no discrimination. Uh, uh, and so what he did is he sued the town for a hundred million dollars, you know, forcing them to back down and to open it uh, to all people. Exactly, open it to a lot of people, and he won that that case. And um, it was uh, uh, um, I forget what, what the Trump versus the Trump. town. Yeah, that, that's why I, I wish I would have written it down because I didn't expect it to go off like that. Mm-hmm. They took the whole site down. Can't have anything good said about uh, Trump. about Trump, you know. And they actually verified the the uh, court case and everything, uh, said what it was. And, mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, there isn't enough money in the world to, for to to buy this woman the White House. I swear to God. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, the Clinton campaign raised to fifty million dollars last month. Yeah. Huh. Hillary Clinton spent six hundred and forty five thousand dollars more a day than her opponent, Donald Trump. But even with her fifty million dollar campaign outlay, she was not able to buy a pull away from uh, him in the from race. him in the race. Okay. Um all the money she's dumping in there, shit, people are Jesus just just like even Boy, they're gonna her. be mad when she loses. Correct. Oh look. Uh, what was it? Jeb Bush, uh, he blew he blew 150 million bucks and didn't even last till March. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a waste of money. But uh, yeah, it's political operatives that make the money. Yeah, Clinton's campaign had its most expensive month to date in August, eclipsing its previously uh, its previous mo- monthly high by more than 12 million dollars. And combined, Clinton the national Democratic Party paid out $78 million in August. Uh, well, Trump and the Republican National Committee spent about uh, $47 million. Yeah, they spent about half. Well, jump down here. Clinton is running a conventional operation we're, we're, featuring we're, we're, we're. multi-million dollar ad buys and expansive, yes. an expansive voter outreach. Trump has kept spending down by enjoying seeming, seemingly limitless free media coverage and outsourcing the guts of his voter contact duties to the Republican Party. The spending disparity has also become a favorite Trump boast. Our expenditures on advertising, our expenditures on people, our expenditures on everything are a tiny fraction, and yet we're, we're a minimum tide. Uh, 
Trump said Tuesday at a rally in Keensville, North Carolina, if you could spend less and be winning, that's a positive thing, right? Joseph Schwerin, a spokesman for the Clinton campaign, said Trump has been derelict in building a political operation that would help not only himself, but, but down-ballot but down Republicans. Four years ago, President Barack Obama and GOP nominee Mitt Romney each raised and spent about $1 billion, a formidable number that Clinton's national finance director has also set as a benchmark. Much of Clinton's spending has been eaten up by advertising, which is costing her about $10 million per week. Through August, she blanketed 11 states with 35,714 broadcast TV commercials to Trump's 7,457 in five states, according to Kantar Media's political ad data. Clinton has also built a robust campaign team of 800 employees who cost a total of $5 million last month. Even after an August spending street, Trump has a far smaller shop of about 130 employees and more than 100 consultants. Among those consultants, former campaign manager Corey Lewandowski, he parted ways with Trump in mid-June and was immediately hired as a CNN contributor. But his green monster firm received $20,000 payment for a strategy consulting. August, on August 11th, the same amount had been regularly been paid for months. The campaign says it will continue paying Lewandowski's firm severance through the end of the year to honor its contract with him. Uh, I think that's good. The Trump campaign's biggest expense for the month was more than $11 million to Giles Parscale for digital consulting and online advertising. Like Trump, the Texas firm is new to politics. The Clinton campaign's August fundraising reports show increases in legal and polling expenses, I'll bet. Which, refer, which appear to reflect those firms' billing cycles. The campaign spent about 450000 on legal bills and almost $1.3 million on polling. How about all those places you sued in, yeah, yeah. in the primary? There's a whole lot of money out there for the lawyers. And oh, yeah. Anyway, we got five minutes left. And what a the, mess. The presidential spending is even more lopsided after factoring in the main... Uh, yeah, uh, backing each candidate. While the campaigns must adhere to $2,700 per person per election donor limits, donation limits, super political action committees can accept unlimited amounts of money. Yeah. That to me is, is, is so bizarre. I mean, yeah, yeah. So unbelievable, yeah. Well, you can thank the Supreme Court for that. You sure can. So anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. You can vote for whoever you want, but uh, whatever. Hillary's costing a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, France is banning all plastic cups. I like that, too. Yeah, yeah. I think I mentioned this last night. But, uh, and plates to save the environment. That's excellent. Oh, I thought so, yeah. So, it's from the independent. Uh, the new law violates European rules on free movement of goods. Huh. Too bad. Yeah. So they're they're banning all this damn plastic. Unless it can be composted. Yeah. France has passed a new law to ensure all plastic cups, cutlery, and plates can be uh, can be. uh, I hate it when 
to choke, things like that. Well, that's basically what the article says. Yeah, we're, 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 we're unless, unless you can make it out of biodegradable bio stuff. Made of biologically sourced material. Yeah, it has to be biodegradable, and then they, yeah. you can make it, and you. but plastic isn't. The law, which comes into effect in 2020 as part of an energy transition from green growth, an ambitious plan that aims to allow France to make a more effective contribution to tackling climate change. Get out of here. Maybe we should take the forefront in some of those things. I think it would be a good idea, you know, to, to do that. So, anyway. So that's some stuff to think about tonight. Yeah. Check it out for yourself. Decide what you're going to do. Yeah, I wanted to talk quickly about this, though, as we, before we close, because this is absolutely staggering. It's absolutely horrific. Officials. Fukushima has now oh, yeah. contaminated one-third of the world's oceans. Yeah, it's frightening. Um, and that would be the Pacific, yeah, right off of this One-third, yeah. Yeah, you see it. You see the, 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 where's, the, where's the map? There's a map here somewhere to show. Oh, crap, I can't. They, had a, they actually showed it here. Um, <laughs> Pacific Ocean, in fact, almost zero... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, almost one-third of the globe is... Uh, Thought to have been contaminated from the leak-out from the Fukushima nuclear disaster. The International Atomic Energy Agency is seeking to promote the peaceful use of nuclear power in 2011, established with the Regional Cooperative Agreement, the RCA member states, uh, a joint IAEA technical cooperation project the region of the Pacific Ocean. It was established after the Fukushima disaster when a tsunami caused a major quake uh, on uh, March 11. Uh, Just scroll down. There's, uh, there's more stuff. The massive, the massive expansion of ocean has diluted the, the radioactivity, but it's remained at levels that are still concerned over contamination of seafood even at low levels. The Marine Monitoring Project was therefore established to ensure that the seafood of the region was safe for consumption and to maintain a comprehensive overview and full facts of the situation. I, you know what? I don't even believe what they release sometimes. Oh, yeah. they, they tell you it's safe, but we're monitoring, and you find well, out. Well, we got one up here. It's Indian Mountain. It's, uh, Indian, Mountain uh, Indian Point. Indian Point is still, is still leaking stuff. They're not doing anything about it. We can right into the Hudson River, contaminating the public around, right into New York. You know, right into the Atlantic. Right into the Atlantic, yeah. And they just dump it. So I don't trust their results. Uh, Let's face it, that Fukushima disaster called a dis caused a disaster for the world oceans. And on that lovely note, we should say we should good say night. Good evening. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just, uh, Have a good night. Sky, sky's falling on us here. But... Um, Anyway, I wish you very much uh, good stuff for the rest of the week, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Hope you enjoy the show. And we'll be leaving...